So I like, we talk about new stuff here. I like that, I like that, that new mercies every morning. Don't you like that? God's mercies are new every morning because my messes are new every day and I need, I need lots of mercies. And I like that. And I like the idea of new starts and new things. And, and so this whole series, we're going to talk about how God makes all things new and what that looks like. But sort of by introduction today, I want to talk about how we all need a, a fresh start. You know, in a, a new year is a time when we kind of... Um, Reflect. I think a lot of us will think about events of the past year. And, you know, there was, I, I hopefully there was a lot of good things that happened in the past year, and we should certainly celebrate those. There's also some hard things that happened in the past year that, that you know, part of the fallout of living in a, in a fallen world on a broken planet that, that we have to deal with. But, but we come to a new year, and it's sort of like a, a new start. And we even think about things that we're going to do differently, don't, don't we? we? Some of you are getting ready to make resolutions that you'll keep for a day or two. And... Uh, probably not the best time to do them. There never is. Uh, but, but God is the one who makes things new. We, we, we sang that song about you know, grace. You know, it's, what, it's the only thing that really causes us to change and that the Holy Spirit is working in us and, and how He's changing us over time. And I, I love those ideas. So, so I want to talk about this idea throughout this series of all things new. And I, and I hope you'll join me. There's a new wristbands out front that say all things new because it's a new series. time for a new wristband. All things new. It all ties together. So... Uh, so those are out there, and we're going to talk about some of these things together and what that looks like as we press in. So a um, little intro there. Bad joke time. These are quite bad, so I'm very happy of them, with them. This first one, actually, so my parents um, moved here from England just before I was born. I was born in the States, but they, they came just before then. And uh, so I have some sort of English kind of traditions. One of those traditions in my family has been at holiday meals. We have these things, they, they're called um, crackers, not like, you know, the kind you eat. They're, they're paper things, and you pull on either end, and they pop. And inside, there's a, there's a paper crown that falls out. If you ever watch British TV shows around the holidays, you've ever seen, they'll all be sitting around the table with a paper crown on. It popped out of this thing with a little joke, usually, and a little sort of silly prize it pops out. So one of this, this joke came out of one of those we had, and I... I immediately took it for you guys. Why shouldn't the number 288 be mentioned in polite company? Because it's too gross. So a couple of things required for that joke. You got to know how many are in a gross, and you got to know how to multiply by two. So, and if you still don't get it, ask somebody. You know what? I can tell if people are judgmental just by looking at them. I think that's way better than the response I'm getting. Every morning I announce to my wife that I'm going jogging, but then I don't go. It's a running joke. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's as good as the other one. So, um, before we get into the series, I sort of wanted to... Um, just leave you with this last thing, sort of a Christmas thing, um, end of the year idea, thing to reflect on. Uh, you know, Alice and I are blessed. Our, our kids live here locally, and so our grandchildren are here. We have seven grandchildren, and, and so Christmas is fun. Uh, and, and Christmas morning, we got up. Alice and I woke up fairly early, and we went to my daughter's house. She's got five kids, and we, we opened gifts with them. And, and uh, the twins are three now, the girls, and they're, they're so cute. They're all cute, but the, it's fun watching a three-year-old open gifts. And, you know, they're, they're learning how to speak and be surprised and happy and then throw you the toy that needs to be put together. And... Uh, Granddad, make it work. Um, 
And, and, uh, and so it's so much fun to enjoy that. We got to enjoy that. We had breakfast. And then we get to enjoy the fact that we get to leave and they clean up the mess, and then, uh, which is really cool. And then in the evening, uh, we went over to my son's house. You know, he has two children, and we exchanged gifts with them. It's so fun to watch them have fun, and we do it all again, had dinner, and then we got to leave again. So, um, uh, and then during the day, I was watching that movie, The Christmas Story, because it's, a, it's, a, it's like that movie, and it's kind of cute. But I was thinking about The Christmas Story. I wanted to share this with you, you know, the real Christmas story, and, and how God uses the Christmas story to prepare us for the Easter story. And so what I would encourage you to do this week is I, there's, there's four chapters that, that I would encourage you to read this week. I, they didn't, they're not in your notes, so you might want to write it down. It's pretty simple. I want you to read Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 23 and 24. And uh, chapters 1 and 2 are the Christmas story and chapters 23 and 24 are the Easter story in effect. And I want you to see how God uses things to prepare us for things that are happening, to prepare us for how He's making things new, to prepare us for what He's doing. And so in the Christmas story, when you read it, one of the first things you'll read is it kind of from the perspective of uh, Mary of Nazareth and Joseph of Bethlehem. And then if you go to the, the, the Easter story, you'll see that the perspective changes there, and, and the resurrection story, uh, the Easter story, is from the perspective of Mary of Magdala and Joseph of Arimathea. This is not by coincidence that God designs these things in the Scripture so we can be aware of what's happening. And then if you read in the, in the Christmas story there in the first part of Luke, you'll see uh, that a big focus is about the virgin womb that, that Jesus will, will come forth from. And if you go into the resurrection story, you'll see that the focus is really about a, a virgin tomb where, where no one has ever lain and how significant that is. And then you, you're going to go back into the uh, amazing Christmas story, you're going to see that when, when Jesus was born, uh, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he was placed in a manger. Now that manger would have been um, hewn, carved out of rock. Uh, we have pictures of mangers back then, feeding troughs, and, and they, they sort of, they, they looked like sarcophaguses, which was almost a kind of coffin, uh, and these were the feeding troughs. And there's something significant about the, the very bread of life being placed into a feeding trough the moment he's born for the world, but even that's not the story. But then, and you get into the Easter story at the end, and, and you read it there, and you find out that there at the end, Jesus was wrapped again in linen cloths, much again looking like that, sort of mummified uh, in, in the process and how amazing that is. And he was placed into a, a, into a tomb that was hewn out of rock. And so the, the Christmas story is preparing us for the Easter story. And then you go back into the Christmas story and you find out that angels came and they proclaimed, you know, good news. They said, hey, this is really good news. Jesus is here and it means a big deal for everybody. And then you read in the Easter story, the angels are back and, and they're saying, uh, hey, good news. He's not here. He is risen. And so, so all of the events of the Christmas story are preparing you for the events of the Easter story, and, which is how it all ties together. And, and that's the direction we're heading in now. Um, we, you know, we're finishing up Christmas. Although church, historically, um, you know, there's 12 days of Christmas that start with Christmas Day. So if you feel like you need to be in a rush to be over with Christmas, pff, we're not even halfway through yet. And uh, technically... Uh, but then we move, and then there's the epiphany, and then we start moving towards Easter. Uh, and, and so these stories all work together. And I wanted you to see that, and I encourage you to go and take some time and read those things as a kind of a great little devotion to end the year. So I wanted you to have that as we, uh, as we head into where we're talking about. You know, how cool is it that, you know, the, the, the very birth of Jesus uh, and all that it means is preparing us for what he's going to do uh, as he willingly dies on our behalf and defeats death and rises again and, and how he's, he actually 
the whole point of his coming was for your redemption and, and for how important that is in our life. See, he's making all things new, and we need to be aware of that. The scripture reading uh, for today is this, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So uh, here we are. We're in the last weekend of 2019. Um, it seems like it just flew by, 2009. Maybe it's just me, but uh, it seems like it just moved on so quickly in the process. And, and, uh, and as I said, you know, it was filled with good things and hard things and all those things together. But, uh, but the, the beginning of a new year, it's time for a fresh start. And, and sort of a do-over in a lot of ways. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that today. And what does it need? What do we need to have a fresh start? And what does that look like? So point number one in your notes is just that. Um, what do we need for a fresh start? And, and in this series, we're going we're gonna to go deep with this and, and talk about all sorts of things, but we need to get it started and uh, sort of set the foundation for it. And so I want to answer this question, what do we need for a fresh start, by looking at two stories in the Bible. Both of them are in the Gospel of Mark. One is in the first chapter, one is in the 10th chapter, and uh, they're great stories, and you'll see how they tie together. Let me uh, start in Mark 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther... He saw James, uh, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So this is the story of the calling of the the first disciples, um, Peter, James, John, Andrew, all fishermen. And um, to sort of set the scene for this, you need to know a little bit about Jewish culture uh, and what was going on at the time with the the young men uh, and they sort of were um, being moved towards in the culture. Now, um, sort of the goal thing for uh, a young man uh, at that point in time, would the, 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 like the highest thing, the thing that you could shoot for was to be a rabbi. That was really what they... And so all of the young boys were sent to school to learn, all of them. And uh, that's the way that culture worked. And, and, and then um, as they learned, there were these periods of, of sort of things that would happen in their life where things changed. So they, they all learned until they were about seven or so. And then at the age of seven, some of them would be uh, 
it would be realized that they weren't going to cut the grade scholastically, so to speak, and they were pulled out of that education program, and they were, you know, sent off to go back home and, and go figure out what they were going to do. Noble enough professions, but be in the family business, whatever, but they weren't wanted any longer. And that would happen again a few years later at about the age of 10. Another group was pulled out and said, sorry, and uh, see you later. And a group would continue on. And, and then it would happen the last time about the age of 13. And when these young men turned 13, the boys turned 13, um, the rabbis would come and they would select the ones that they wanted out of that group. And those, those would continue on in their learning and understanding to ultimately a lot of them become rabbis and everybody else was sent home to go back and figure out what they were going to do besides. So when you, when you read about fishermen like this, uh, and very cool, very noble profession, but it, it wasn't sort of, you know, what they were shooting at at some point in their lives, all of them had felt this rejection. They'd been said, you don't, you're not good enough. And so for this, so you're going to head out into another thing. So you need to understand then when this young rabbi Jesus comes walking along and uh, he says, hey, come follow me. It was really significant because they'd been unwanted before. They'd been said, yeah, well, you're not good enough before. That's how they'd been told. And now they're being told by Jesus, oh no, I want you on my team. And that's huge. And that's why they so immediately go. A rabbi's calling them and they, they, they didn't have that, you know, it hadn't happened before. And it's like, yes, here we go. And so that's the big deal. There's only one thing they have to do, and then we'll talk more about that in a minute. So that's the first story. The second story is in Mark chapter 10. Uh, and a lot of you know this story. Uh, and this is a story uh, that's called The Rich Young Ruler. Let me read it to you. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So uh, here you have a, a different set of circumstances. Here you have a, a man who seemingly has it all. Uh, he has possessions, and he has money, but um, something's not right. He knows something is missing. So he goes to Jesus, and he says, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. And Jesus, it says, looks at him and, you know, asks him questions. And we find out not only does this guy have, you know, stuff, he's also a pretty highly moral guy uh, in, in the process, a, seemingly a good, good guy. And what Jesus says to him lovingly, he says, um, listen, what you need to do is uh, all that stuff that you've got obviously not doing it for you. You need to go give that away. And, and then, you know, there's something you need to do in order to find life. And both of them uh, had to respond to this one thing. See, what they all needed, everybody in this story, what they needed for a fresh start was to follow Jesus. That's point number two. See, that was it. That was the requirement. That's what it was going to take. Point number two, follow Jesus. Two very different situations, two very different sides of the social scale, if you would. One is a, kind of the story of the rejected, and, and, and one is the story of the unsatisfied. And... and in both situations, there's the possibility of, of starting over. For both uh, groups, there's this, the ability for a fresh start for something new. Just one thing that both of them needed to do, in Mark 1.17, Jesus said, Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And in Mark 10.21, there at the very end of that verse, it says, you know, Then come and follow 
me. See, the thing that leads to a fresh start uh, for all of us is that decision to follow Jesus, to, to follow after Him with all that we are. That's what leads to life, new life, new beginnings, all things new. That's what happens. And so as we head into a new year, it leaves me with this question for all of us. Point number three is, is that what you want? Do you want a fresh start? Do you, do you want a, a cosmic do-over? I, I like that idea. Do you, do you want you know, to be caught up in, in, in God doing everything new? It's almost January. We're just a couple of days away from a new year. All that's happened, you know, previously, that's all in the past. We we have this new year to look forward to. Uh, We have a chance for a fresh start. These two stories have very different endings. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they follow Jesus, and they go all in. And do you ever think about the difference in their life from that point in time? I think about this all the time. They, they went from sort of their day-to-day kind of life uh, and whatever that was, and they say yes to Jesus, and they begin to follow him, and their life is never the same. Do you understand that those guys got to do things that nobody else had ever done? That they got to spend that next three years day-to-day with Jesus, seeing him do miracles, and then being used by God to do those same things? That those three, those four guys, because they followed Jesus, changed the world forever? They, uh, they, you know, things that they said and wrote and did we still impact us today. And how significant it is because they said yes to Jesus. It changed everything for them. And, and what an amazing part of the story that is. And then, you know, the rich young ruler, um, he had the same opportunity. He could have had his life changed. He could, have, he could have dealt with whatever was missing right there, but he chose not to. He, he left and said he walked away sad. He walked away from the only one who could have ever given him life that was satisfying and truly satisfied uh, him. And, and, and that's the thing that happens. And so I, I look at those stories and, and, you know, I think to myself, I want to follow Jesus more. Now, I, I know a lot of us here this morning are, are, are believers uh, already. You're following Jesus. But, you know, my encouragement is, is this year to, to make a choice, to, to make a decision, to really lean in a little more, to, to, to yield more to the Holy Spirit, to press in in ways that you haven't pressed in before, to be excited again about it, what it means to follow Jesus, to, to, to not allow the, the sort of complacency that we fall into or, or oh, I've been doing this for a long time now, but to, to get to that spot where you realize that every day um, is an adventure, that, that every day we have the opportunity to partner with God to do amazing things in the world, that, that we have the opportunity to change the world around us forever, to change our communities, to change our families, to, to let that just kind of go through us and throughout the world, that it, it should spark some excitement in you. That, that if, if you've sort of gotten a little dry and you, you're not feeling that sort of adventure to this life anymore, I want to encourage you to just, just decide to choose to press in a little more, uh, to know Him just a little more, to listen just a little more to what's going on, that, that, that we need to, to do that, to press in, to follow Jesus and watch what happens in the course of our lives. And, and then perhaps there's some today who are not following Jesus yet, I would, I would say in a crowd this size that there's people here who aren't doing that yet. And, you know, maybe you can relate to one of the stories. Maybe you felt a little unwanted or, or cast aside or, or maybe things have happened to you that, that, that aren't good things and, and maybe you've been a little angry with God or whatever, but, but you, you haven't chosen to follow Him yet. Or you, maybe you're in a completely different spot, that you're more of that unsatisfied group, that, that actually you look around and things are going, you know, pretty well as far as you can tell, but inside 
Ah, there's something missing and you know it. There's that little nagging thing. I I, I only bring that up because I remember, see, I didn't grow up as a believer. And and when I was a young man in my 20s, mid-20s, and, and seemingly had all the thought things that I thought I should have at that point in my life. You know, I had a pretty good job and made pretty good money. I had a lovely wife and, and uh, you know, we had a house and we took trips and we did all sorts of things. We were in a lot of mess too, don't get me wrong. I don't want to over-pretty that picture. But there were so many middle of the nights when I would wake up and I would go sit in a chair and just kind of rock because I knew something was missing. I couldn't put my finger on it. I just knew it. And, and when I came to Jesus, I found out that he was what was missing. He filled that missing thing perfectly. I've never experienced it since. You know, it's because of Jesus. And, and so, you know, maybe that's you. Either one of those things. Maybe you've you felt unwanted or you've felt unsatisfied uh, with your life. And, and I want to encourage you to do what needed to happen, which is to follow Jesus. I have a verse in there. A powerful, powerful verse from Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified it's with your mouth that you profess and are saved and that, that verse tells us what we need to do to follow Jesus that, that you know I sort of told you the Christmas story and the Easter story when we started and that worked in very well because, um, because of those things God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him to come back into relationship with him and the scripture reading said that's our very message that's why we exist is to help people know that that God's for them and wants to be in relationship with them and, and, and the way that you follow if you haven't done it before is that's the whole thing it, you, you say with your mouth you believe in your heart you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord that you get what he's done for you and you take that in and I want to encourage you if you've never done that to do that today so uh, uh, th- we're going to do it this way today ministry team those are here why don't you head over the wall I'm going to send our ministry team over there. It takes them a few minutes to get there. But if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you today, to, when we're done here in a minute, to go up and just tell somebody on the ministry team, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Him. And they'll lead you through a simple prayer. We had people responding earlier today. They'll lead you through a simple prayer to get you started on your journey. And they'll, they'll be praying for everything over there, healing, relationships, finances, situations. And, and then maybe there's some of us of you who would go over and say, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I really do want to press in. I want to know Him more. I want to I go deeper. I want to I get a hold of that. I want to experience that excitement. Maybe you, you can go and you can just say, you know what, I, I know Him, but I want to know Him better. And let them pray for you as well. And they'll help you with that and they'll encourage you. So, so those are the things I'd encourage you to do to get ready for this new year and then we're going we're gonna to get practical with it in this series in the weeks ahead but uh, that's what we're going to do today let me pray for you as a group Papa thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us and uh, you make all things new and you're a God of new starts new beginnings and, and uh, thank you God for a fresh start this year and I pray that, that as we follow you, not only would it change us, but it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. 
So if you need prayer for anything this morning, the folks over there are ready to pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. If you haven't been following Jesus, go get that straightened out today. You just tell them, I want to follow Jesus. And they'll lead you through a little prayer to help you do that. And, and if you'd say, you know what, I just want to press in a little more. Let somebody know over there too. Hey, would you just pray for me? I want to, I want to get closer in this coming year. They'll pray for that as well. So if you need prayer for that or, or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay in our breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that, everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You're such an awesome and amazing God, and we love you so much. Praise God from whom. and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast to be in the back. As you go, be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.